0: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be.
1: Listen anywhere.
0: Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following
2: program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
4: Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, our topic today is seniors supporting seniors and helping family caregivers. Now, let's just say a word about family caregivers. Of, of the people who we're talking about helping I've heard on this show time and time again how family caregivers ran into something in one of the family members and how the family caregivers felt unprepared for what they had to face in their family caregiving. They were unsure of where to go for all the advice, all the help and all the support they needed. And they needed help that was different from the things that healthcare offered them. They first They face burdens on their own health, their own work, and their family's finances. So here's the question. How do seniors help seniors and their family caregivers? Now, to discuss this question and other questions as they relate to the topic, my guest is Barbara Burnett. Barbara is Executive Director, Community Management, Seniors for Seniors. She holds the degree of Bachelor of Science in Nursing, she has 35 years' experience in the healthcare industry, and in the medical and pharmaceutical industries, she's held numerous corporate senior sales and marketing positions, including Director of Sales for Canada and Director of Business Development. She's an associate member of the Geron- Geron- Gerontological, sorry about that, Barbara, Nursing Association of Canada, and a core member on various falls. Prevention Steering Committees. She's very active in the elder care community, and she's passionate about the provision of senior-centered care for persons getting older.
5: So welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invite, uh, Gordon.
4: My, My pleasure. Now, it's over to you. So my first question to you is, please tell us more about your career and your work as the Executive Director and the way it involves you in working with seniors for seniors
5: certainly I am really I guess you could say a bit of a poster child uh, Gordon I interface uh, uh, with uh, seniors groups senior uh, communities elder care groups I work um, with the healthcare care professionals the uh, nursing community I attend uh, so many medical meetings nursing meetings uh, just to keep apprised and uh, of what's happening in the provision vision of uh, senior care elder care uh, in uh, Ontario um, I I guess I am a sales and marketer that's exactly what i am i'm i'm uh, i do uh, talk about seniors for seniors i for instance just uh, the other day i was invited to speak to a group of uh, appeal hospital retirees gordon um, and the age uh, everywhere from my goodness probably uh, 65 to 85 and this was a group of retirees that had been meeting for 26 years, and it's delightful that they still get together. And it was a whole mix of everything from lab techs to nursing to uh, paraprofessionals, para et etc. It was wonderful. So I really, it's quite a plethora of things that I do get involved with. Um, but very, very importantly, I'm, I, I stay connected with the community. Um, what the community is saying, what the community is saying it needs, what the seniors uh, are saying that they need, etc. That's really a big part of my role.
4: Right. Now, what about your own experience with family caregiving? Have you a story there?
5: I certainly do. Um, rather a sad story. Um, back in the uh, late 70s, uh, we lost. Uh, Uh, I lost my older brother, uh, very, very close uh, to him, uh, just two years apart, Gordon. And um, he was interning at the time, um, and he was diagnosed with uh, cancer, a very rare form, actually. It was a bone cancer, and this was absolutely devastating for the family. Um, his, um, His ambition and plan was to be a surgeon. Uh, A very brilliant man, Gordon, he um, was very well thought of and used to be called Dr. Bill. And I'll never forget, uh, I was uh, working with a pharmaceutical company at the time and I drove from Edmonton to Red Deer and uh, went in, I had a meeting with a doctor and uh, the uh, medical receptionist uh, looked at me, she looked at my card and she looked at me again and she said, Oh, by any chance, are you related to Dr. Bill? And uh, that was just something I had to sit down. And she said, "I have to tell you a story." She said, "Your brother was my husband's physician, who had a brain tumor, and it and your brother," she said, "was uh, just so caring, empathetic um, uh, with uh, from with my husband, and uh, at the same time." Bill was undergoing chemotherapy at the time. Uh, was was dying, Gordon, and um, he was still, still doing his uh, duties as a uh, surgical resident. And um, he uh, went down to uh, to the U.S. Uh, where he ultimately died. And um, it was very sad. It was it was it was very challenging for us because of the long distance. Um, from Edmonton uh, to New York, uh, where he uh, where he died, to coordinate all of the uh, all that was required to ensure that Bill was comfortable and safe. We knew he was he was receiving excellent excellent uh, medical care, but it was so important for the family to be with him, and that was uh, that was a challenge.
4: We're going to be talking later on, in fact, I'm going to be asking you later on about what I've called this distance caring challenge.
5: Certainly. But what mm-hmm. you
4: just said, I think, is a very real situation for all too many families and their family caregivers. Absolutely. Now, I'd like to tell you to tell us more about the work of the organization, Seniors for Seniors. What do you mm-hmm. do?
5: What do we do? Well, its I think it's pretty marvelous, Gordon. Um, 26 years ago, uh, Seniors for Seniors was established or founded here in Toronto, and it was really the brainchild of a lovely 80-year-old woman by the name of Ellen Cook and her son, Peter Cook. Ellen at the time uh, was living in a senior's apartment, and she had a lot of, mind you, she was 80 at the time, and she had a number of older friends that needed some help. Um, to stay at home, but she also had younger friends who uh, were bored, were tired, and uh, were looking to to stay um, active, to stay engaged, and also very interested in in, in working and doing good work in the community. So between mother and son, they had this brain uh, uh, brain wave, really, of uh, a concept of junior seniors assisting senior seniors. Now, a junior senior is 50 years of age and above Gordon. And in 26 years, our oldest junior senior was 86. <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't quite frankly been unusually few occasions for our junior seniors to be a little older than our senior seniors. But Seniors for Seniors is a non-medical home care organization, and we provide a full menu of uh, services uh, that enable our senior seniors to live as comfortably as possible at home and because the age of our junior seniors um, probably 65% i would say are between the ages of 60 and 70 um, they are the caregivers uh for the uh for the senior senior uh they're also fully loaded employees gordon uh they're not volunteers um, they are uh paid uh paid employees and uh, we have just a wonderful plethora of people. We have, a lot of our folks are from the caring professions, um, retired nurses, for instance, retired paramedics, social workers, registered practical nurses, uh, healthcare aides, the older PSW. We have teachers. We have pastors. We really have Dr. Lawyer Indian chiefs working with us. Now, so many of them, Probably over 50% do, would like, you know, need the additional income. But um, the rest uh, do it because they enjoy working with seniors. They have an affinity for working with seniors. And the key thing is, is because we're all going through the aging process, uh, we're there, uh, we understand, we get it. And that care and empathy and compassion really, really comes through and translates. And I think organically, seniors trust seniors, Gordon. So there's a real relationship and a trust that builds up, and um, we get that from the families and from the seniors all the time.
4: How would someone who's listening to us um, get in touch with you to wonder about how they may get involved, regardless of whether, where they are in Canada or in the U.S.? What would be your procedure for dealing with an inquiry like that?
5: An inquiry to get involved as a, um, as a junior, senior, Gordon, or for help?
4: Um, as a junior, senior, or perhaps as part of your organization?
5: Certainly. Well, you know something? We receive at least 100 uh, phone calls and emails a week from people wanting to work with us. Now, or sometimes they're too young. You must be at over the age of 50 to, to work with us. And... Um, It's really a matter in terms of our need. Uh, Currently, we have over 500 junior seniors working with us, Gordon. We we serve uh, from Oshawa to Newmarket all throughout Toronto and the greater Toronto area, Brampton, uh, Mississauga, Oakville. We have an office in uh, Hamilton that serves Niagara and Burlington, uh, Kitchener, Guelph, uh, Cambridge, London, Halifax. And we just opened our first new office in Barry to serve the Simcoe County and Muskoka um, region, and that impetus really for opening that new office because it was really the first new office we 've opened in the last eighteen years, but the real impetus uh, for that was the health care providers, the community care access centers and uh, out- geriatric outreach teams up in the area saying, "We really need you up here we need help
4: any this, we've only got a couple of short minutes before the break, but any overtures in the U.S., any uh, l- links that you have in the U.S., um, what about that as a marketplace for what you're doing?
5: Certainly, and I, I believe that there is an a, um, organization similar to ours. That is the same model, Gordon, that uh, provides um, um, i don 't know what it 's called, um, but uh, it has the same model of the older worker uh, helping the the senior senior, and uh, certainly you know as we 've seen with these economic times over the last uh, over the last while. Um, it's so many, you know, pensions have been hit, etc. And uh, there's not too many organizations out there, uh, Gordon, that will hire the seventy-year-old. And yet, seniors for seniors, we celebrate and uh, uh, the uh, the junior senior, the older worker, because the older worker brings so much experience, uh, life experiences um, to share, a um, uh, work ethic, a reliability that is that is. Unmatched, truly.
4: Now, I'm going to break in there because it is time for us, as I like to say, to pay the rent. We take a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Barbara Burnett. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety
0: Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: Each week, take a visit inside the locker room of your favorite sport with Dez Clark. Paul, Fresh Clark, and Lester Scudder-Davis as they bring you Sportsmanlike Conduct. As a current player, Des Clark can bring you inside the sports world like nobody can. His co-hosts represent the fans of the sports world. With both points of view on the table, it becomes an engaging and entertaining program, to say the least. Sportsmanlike Conduct can be heard Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel.
0: the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Help, you, know I need
4: someone.
0: you are listening to
3: Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to G at mymonami.com That's doc, letter G, at M Y M O N A M I dot com. Now back to Family Caregivers Unite.
4: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Barbara Burnett. Our topic is seniors supporting seniors and providing some help to family caregivers too. So I want now to talk about the challenges for seniors and their family caregivers and the way seniors support is helpful. So, Barbara, what are the particularly challenging challenges for seniors, the people you you work with, and what makes those challenges so challenging?
5: Well, something that comes immediately to mind, Gordon, is the loss of independence. Um, This is a very independent generation, uh, a loss of control. Uh, Just an example, for instance, uh, losing a, a driver's license. Can be devastating, particularly if it's a spouse who is the caregiver um, and no longer has the ability to provide the transportation. That that immediately comes to mind as as uh, as a, uh, a challenging challenge, uh, uh, Gordon. I, I, I'd like to quote this, um, it's on our website actually, but from one of our junior seniors, and I think it just really encapsulates uh, what. Um, or the feeling um, that our junior seniors have for the senior seniors. She says, I feel it is important that we recognize that most of our clients are quite frustrated at times, that they have to rely on others. They so much want to be as independent as possible and be able to do things when and how they want to do them. And, I think that, as I say, has always resonated with me. And for 26 years, uh, Gordon, we've heard our, our clients say, I want to choose where I want to live. I, I want some control over my life. I need some help to remain in my own home. And I want to feel safe. Um, these are key things that, uh, that are important um, f- uh, for seniors. Um, we also have... Uh, the children that are calling, the, uh, they are f- full recognition and appreciation that their parents want to stay in their own homes. But perhaps there's some cognitive impairment that they're concerned about the the safety and the security of, of, of mum or dad, and they want to do everything possible to 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 keep their parents in their own home. That's their goal. Goal, but cognitive impairment can be can be tricky. Um, oftentimes. Because because the the senior may be somewhat in denial of the extent of their cognitive impairment.
4: Barbara, Barbara I'm just going to interrupt you quickly. What, what's cognitive impairment?
5: Be it a dementia, Gordon, Alzheimer's disease, um, uh, brain injury, uh, but primarily a dementia or cognitive, or uh, Alzheimer's disease.
4: Right, and so mm-hmm. well, this is where people are no longer able to make decisions or remember things or think. Things. That's, so, right. That's, that, that's right.
5: That's right. Yes. That's right. Short-term memory loss, exact, executive function, judgment, etc. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. let's
4: get back to the challenges that cognitive impairment creates.
5: Right. hmm. Often, well, for uh, just a, a few examples, for instance, that um, uh, the senior refusing help. That, um, uh, for instance, one of our junior seniors, one of our caregivers, may 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 go go to the senior's home, but may be denied entry. Um, uh, safety, um, wandering, for instance, is, is another um, uh, situation. Um, safety in the home, um, the the stove, uh, cooking uh, can become uh, an issue. Um, uh, really, you know, the safety and security uh, of, uh, of of the parent of the, of the senior, and um, that could be a make or breaker for uh, for um, their mom and dad to stay at home.
4: Right. Now let's talk just about these challenges. In answering the question, Barbara, please, how do your junior seniors help seniors? With these challenges, who are actually living at home, and to make the complicated question even more complicated, how do the family caregivers get involved in that kind of situation where senior is living at home, junior senior is helping? How do they all work together?
5: Okay, the... Um the, it's oftentimes it's the daughter <laughs> most, most most frequently it's the daughter although i must say or the daughter-in-law but must say now that that the sons and sons-in-laws are are really stepping up to the plate um that um they will call and they will say you know i'm concerned about mom um this is this is what's is happening with mom um, we, we need some help and it, it 's our our job really to really formalize that help and get a good sense of what that senior's needs in because that really is the base of which we choose the the, the correct uh, junior senior to provide the help, uh, be it from an experience perspective, be it from um, their uh, their background um, uh, their um, they're social, um, what do they enjoy, because that's so important too for our seniors at home, um, is the social engagement. We uh, we call it walks, talks, and chats, Gordon, um, so that we have the right match, the appropriate uh, uh, person who, who will engage the senior at home and uh, when that determination is made then uh, then the junior senior will uh, call the family caregiver and introduce themselves and then uh, any other information that needs to be relayed is is done so and then oftentimes the family caregiver may be there uh, when our junior senior arrives to help with that transition so w- each, we have a, all of these menus of the services that we have, uh, Gordon. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the, the loss of the uh, driver's license. We have driver companions that will drive uh, uh, the senior anywhere they need or want to go, but they're going to stay with them as watchful companions and get them safely home. So for medical appointments, uh, shopping, banking, whatever, whatever, you know, those daily living activities that we all need to do, um, our junior-senior will be there and stay with them. And that's particularly important if there's any uh, issues with cognition or frailty or physical uh, uh, um, uh, disability. Uh, We have the the drop-in companions that will provide, um, well, we have, say, walk, talks, chats, everything from meal preparation to to a game of bridge. Um, We once sent a... uh, a uh, uh, junior, senior in, uh, a retired piano teacher, to play for a 85-year-old concert pianist who had arthritis so severe that she was unable to play her piano any longer. So really, the sky is, is the limit uh, under uh, that uh, with uh, the drop-in companions. We have live-in companion caregivers um, that will provide the 24 hours, uh, seven days a week uh, caregiving. We have home cleaners. Uh, we have handy persons to help with those, those annoying uh, jobs around the house and, um, and house and pet sitting.
4: Fabulous. Now, I'm going to ask you, it's exactly the same question, really, but I'm talking about junior seniors helping seniors who are now in a long term care or a similar facility, um, and therefore the family caregivers are involved with the facility and their family member. Really? How do junior seniors help? is in that
5: situation. Well, in a long-term care facility or a retirement home, Gordon, or a uh, or a nursing home where, you know, the primary needs, but where the the, the family uh, caregivers are calling or say, gee, mum or dad just aren't getting the um, they're just not getting the stimulation um that i think mom or dad needs um can can you send somebody in that can provide can exercise can can take dad who's in a wheelchair take him for a walk take him outside uh, to enjoy the the garden or to or to uh, uh, take him for a walk around the block um again to play play cards or or to um uh, exercise, do do all these things that they feel that their their parents just aren't receiving.
4: Right, right. In other words, it's a sort of backup for the family, isn't it? Because those are the sorts of things that perhaps you've been describing, at least some of them anyway, the family caregiver would wish to do but may not be able to do. So here's a backup Absolutely. by a junior. Okay.
5: Yeah, and, and, and back to... To your point earlier, Gordon, about uh, the family that lives out of the city, out of the province, out of the country, um, just the reassurance that they know that that uh, their loved one is being looked after in that manner, that they are getting their needs met. Right. Do
4: they, uh, this is a tricky one, and we've only a minute or two, but I assume that the junior seniors would say to the family caregiver if they thought things weren't in some way working out well for the person who was in the care facility, or is that too controversial? What's the answer to that? No,
5: because actually our people are really fulfilling the role of the family caregiver, um we've had uh, uh, i think of one particular incident comes to mind where one of our junior seniors uh, uh took her client her senior senior home for a family meal at christmas um and our people uh, are also the big communicator or the communication repository so to speak uh, they keep in touch with the family members by by email or 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 by telephone
4: yeah So I'd like to think of it just by way of summarizing back to you um, that in this situation at least, that is where the um, senior senior is in a a care facility, that the junior senior is, is supplementing, that is helping the family caregiver by in effect being a member of the family caregiver's group, that is a member of the family. Now, I know that's a very philosophical question, but have I, have I sort of more or less understood?
5: You have. You have understood that very well. That was a great summation. Okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> now, it is, uh, that has brought us to the time when we do have to take a short break. Um, so this is Dr. Gordon-Athelé, and my guest is Barbara Burnett. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned because we've got more of the same coming up.
0: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah!
3: Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: Voice America Sports Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone.
3: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
4: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Barbara Burnett. Our topic is seniors supporting seniors. So let's talk now about how well the needs of seniors are understood and what you see as ways of improving communication. Now, what I'm obviously talking, asking about here is here we have seniors with a variety of problems, the kind of things you've been talking about, can't drive, cognitive problems, uh, frailty problems. Um, the question then is how well are these needs understood uh, in various ways and in various places? and what needs to be done in the way of communication to make things work better. So let's talk about something you've already mentioned, which is the needs of seniors whose families live far away from them and how can junior seniors help meet these needs.
5: Well, as as mentioned really before, is that the the junior seniors become an extension of the family, really. Um, Communication is so important uh, for the family members, and those open lines have have always got to, uh, to continue because they're not... Here, they're they're not able to provide um, the transportation. They're they're not able to provide the emotional support or, or the social um, activity um, or. Or the physical requirements that um, that their frail mom or dad may have, so they rely very much on us to provide uh, those needs, and they also rely on on us to to communicate back to them you know how how's mom or dad doing how you know what else is could we do what else is needed. So um, that's a big part of it, and, and 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 that's a challenge. I mean, we have we have uh, senior senior clients whose family live uh, out of the, you know out of the country. They're in Europe. Uh, they're um, they're south of the border. They're in the U.S. They're in a different province. And um, thank heavens for technology in so many ways because we're able to, to stay in touch um, with them as closely as possible. We have uh, coordinators that do that, that, um, that make, you know, have the, all of the information, and our people are extremely good at communicating back. Do you give them any training,
4: these junior seniors, in communication?
5: Do we train them um No, we go through our uh, it's all part the the training and you know bring up a very good point because that's something perhaps that we should uh, should address much more um when uh, we go through the interviewing process, et cetera, and the screening process, we are always assessing their communication. Dial, their communication ability—it's um, so important too. When you look, when you think of so many of our, our seniors, perhaps have a hearing problem, and uh, our caregiver, our, our junior senior, needs to be able to enunciate and speak uh, and speak loud enough that uh, that the client can hear and speak. Clearly, um, we review all that, but that's a, that's a very good point to, to perhaps we should be addressing that a little bit more. We do extensive training in Alzheimer's and dementia training, uh, Gordon, extensive training with falls prevention, which is so critical too.
4: Right. Now, there's a lot of talk these days about aging at home, which you yourself have referred to. Um, uh, and more and more people want this the seniors themselves, the families, um, and for that matter, the healthcare system because it saves money. So the question then is how well are the needs of seniors understood by healthcare system planners when they talk about aging at home and all the things you've been talking about? So, how well do they understand those things? And what more do you see needs to be done to improve communications among uh, seniors, junior seniors, the family caregivers, or at least put that the other way round, between junior seniors on the one hand, senior seniors, their family caregivers, and the other are the planner. the other hand is the planners and the people who are allocating resources. What more needs to be done to improve all of that?
5: Oh, how much time do we have, Gordon? (laughs) You've got three minutes. The needs, I think, the needs of of the seniors are pretty well understood. Uh, When I say that, um, I think a big thing, too, is that don't tell seniors, uh, you know, what to do. Or don't we'll say don't tell me what uh, uh, I need. Um, just ask me what I need. Um, there's a lot of of uh, planning that is going on uh, from the, the healthcare system planners, as, as, as you refer to. There certainly is. A key, uh, Gordon. There needs to be an increased linkage of services. Um, there are a lot of services available for seniors the real problem is accessing them not only the uh, the service uh, but the appropriate service to meet the need and, and that's key, and that often falls uh, to, the, uh, to the family caregiver to provide all of that due diligence and the homework that's required to, to find the service that, that's, that's going to meet mum or dad's or grandpa or grandpa's needs. And that's onerous. Uh, that's tough. I, I've been uh, in healthcare for many, many years, and, and I find it difficult. Um, there's really no one central central repository system there that says, "Gee, this is what mom or dad needs," and I can press a button and oop, something's going to pop up and tell me, "Well, that's who I need to talk to, who's going to help me." Um, that doesn't exist. Um, we have a, a system across Ontario uh, uh, divided into 14 different geographical areas, and and each of those. Um, um mm-hmm. systems, uh, they're called LINS, um are do have different programs um that are pretty wonderful, etc. But they might not be operating in another geogra- uh, geographical area. Um more and more of the uh, of the government spa- uh, funded programs are are um uh, joining together to say, okay, so if uh, a senior calls in from this particular area of the city, then we can match them up. But then we have an issue with that because not all of the services agencies provide the same services. So that can be a bit of a a, a kerfuffle. There really needs to be more creative and innovative thinking um, in the elder care system. There's no question about it. And there needs to be an increased communication between the service providers. That's key. That's key.
4: And it seems to me that it, it... What you've been talking about is a need for better coordination.
5: That Absolutely. Be- yeah. I, I, I had a, a, a conversation earlier this afternoon with a, um, a consultant who I have a high regard for, and we both agreed that we're so tired of hearing this word, integration. <laughs> uh, it's getting very tiring. That, tired, that word. It, it really is all about communication. Um, and the transition from hospital to home and the services um, um, because we do very well in the acute care health uh, care system here, but we need some work um, uh, with the transitioning uh, to home or from specialist to GP, etc. cetera. So um, increased communication is absolutely – how can you attempt to coordinate without the communication, Gordon? Right.
4: Good question. Now, I want to ask you a question about our immigrant communities um, and how their health needs or their um, uh, caring needs are supported. Now, are the kind of questions I'm thinking of are not all immigrant communities speak English all that well. I'm not being negative. And sometimes the seniors themselves, uh, for various reasons, can only communicate in their original language because, as you grow older, it seems that you go back to your native, your 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 mother tongue. Mm-hmm. Now that said, what what assistance do junior seniors provide in the immigrant communities in relation to things like language issues and communication?
5: Certainly. Well, uh, we try to uh, to provide. Um um, a a spectrum of of um, languages et cetera, uh, and cultures but um, that 's not always uh, always possible you know it 's interesting um, what a real challenge for us is italian speaking caregivers, and I think that is uh, congruent all across from 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 what I can understand. I know I have even appealed to the uh, vice president of uh, of uh, the italian uh, uh, senior uh, uh, seniors uh, uh, association to you know um, send send our way any any lovely um, uh, italian speaking uh, uh, junior seniors that they may have um, just today we received a phone call from uh, from a son again as you say a ninety seven year old mom he lives the mom is living with him, but then the key question comes up oh do you have any Italian-speaking people? And I'm, we always say, oh, we're hoping you wouldn't ask that question. That is a bit of a challenge. Um, there's no question. Um, but, um, and then you compound that felony too good um, with not only uh, reverting back, but with a, co- a cognition uh, uh, problem, you're going to revert back to your native tongue and um isolation uh you know you're unable to communicate that that becomes a real real problem there are many agencies of um of immigrant community agencies that uh, that are that are there that out there that uh, can provide help help with this um and provide um you know uh, a referral base etc but it's um we can't uh, unfortunately meet the needs of all of the many, many languages that are spoken.
4: Right, so there's work ahead.
5: There's work ahead. There's no question. Now,
4: it is back time again for the break. Um, Again, we have to pay our rent. So, this is Dr. Gordon Adelaide. My guest is Barbara Burnett. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned.
0: Talk, talk, talk.
1: The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope.
0: The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You
3: are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
4: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Barbara Burnett. Our topic is junior seniors, help supporting senior seniors. I want now to talk about, Barbara, what more you would like to see done to enable junior seniors to bring more help to seniors and the family caregivers who may be caring for them. So let me ask you, first of all, um, what more can the healthcare system do to help with the kind of challenges you've been talking to us about?
5: The one thing that our healthcare care system is very good at is is um, uh, treating our acute needs. If we're sick, if we've had a heart attack, we go to the hospital. What our health care system is not so good at is the chronic conditions or um, helping our seniors uh, at home. Um, with their daily living um, that 's when the caregivers really carry the family caregivers really carry the load um, the uh, this, as it mentioned earlier, for instance, the transitions between care once you know out of the hospital. Um, back home or back to wherever that home may be, Gordon, whether it be, uh, you know, alternate level of care, whatever that might be, um, the transitions are, are blurred, uh, are, are very poorly uh, uh, blurred. And um, we're not doing such a good job of that. Um, there, a lot of work needs to be done. Now, I know there's many, um, there's good, great work being done with the, the regional geriatric programs, the geri out, geriatric outreach teams, uh, the geriatric emergency medicine nurses. They're the, called the GEMS in the hospital. But once all of that, you know, assessment and all of that other good stuff, it's the ongoing uh, support. And the system, uh, where the system is not quite as good.
4: And that's where the junior seniors fit in, and that's where your organization provides that service for fitting the junior seniors in, isn't it?
5: That's right, and and you mentioned earlier about, and and that's probably a good way, we are uh, uh, the top up, we are there to help. The the, the, the abyss that's there—that we can provide uh, the help that, um, that due to budgetary issues, due to cutbacks, um, we know there's not enough water to boil the ocean, Gordon. And um, it's you know there's help out there, but there there's help is required, but a good a message that needs to be relayed: there is help out there.
4: Right. Now, m- boiling the ocean, money, Money's always short in health care. It doesn't matter where you are. There's always more demand for money than there is money to meet that demand, which means that all of us who are working in the kind of field fields that you're working in have to have some pretty good arguments to go to government with to say this that we're doing is important enough have your attention when it comes to deciding about money so what are your key arguments that you would use to government to say fund more junior seniors to help senior seniors what would be your
5: argument well as you know Gordon we are a private organization so uh, we are not a uh, publicly funded or a government funded organization so uh, for me to knock on doors for money is, is difficult. But what I would like to see is that the the public, the private, and the charitable, that we start blurring the lines between these. Because it's not just um, up to governments. I, I, I mean, aging is involves so many sectors it it, it involves government health uh, technology industry all of these sectors need to interface and connect somehow Gordon Um, you've heard we've heard this uh, you know the aging tsunami well I'm a little tired of that because a tsunami means fear retreat run let's we can't cope um, I was uh, had the pleasure of attending a, uh, a global summit um, in oh, early December 2009, and it was uh, co-sponsored by uh, the Mars Discovery District and the uh, Government of Ontario. And it was a tremendous two days of where industry leaders, technology experts, healthcare experts uh, came together for two days to talk about what they called the business of aging, um, but much more than that, Gordon. It was more about the social phenomena of aging and and the implications for where and what what's needed, where we need to go with that, and and that included as a health policy society um um you know we know what the the numbers are we know the demographic predictions that uh of uh, of the older the persons getting older uh we know that you know the the absence of, of the, the, the the supporting workers and and caregivers et cetera, you know in our future let's move on i mean the real um uh, the good news is all of that, though, is that we have we have a lead time here, where where something that can be done to to help uh, d- diminish this, this. But it's going to take cooperation. It's going to take cooperation between government, health, um, as I mentioned, industry, technology. Uh, I mean, there's some wonderful things being done in the technology sector uh, to help uh, seniors age in place. Housing, that's another b- big area too. Um, you know, with the boomers, what are we looking at? What do we want for mom and dad? What do we want uh, down the road? How do we look at the nursing home, the institutionalized uh, nursing home model? It's not going to work. It, it, uh, uh, there's so much that needs to be done. But it, it can't just, isn't it just be incumbent upon the government. I think all sectors need to be involved and engaged.
4: Right. Now, this is the last, really the last question, and it's focusing on the junior seniors because, you know, there's that phrase, you were talking about cognitive impairment, Um, there's that phrase, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Now, I think there's a lot of truth in that, and so what you're doing is engaging, employing junior seniors to do work which is valuable for which they get remuneration and for which, from which they get satisfaction and stimulation themselves. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me that what you're also doing is some degree anyway of preventive healthcare by providing these opportunities for junior seniors. Now that's a bit of propaganda from me for you,
5: but <laughs> do you agree
4: with that? Do you think that I'm right in what I've just said?
5: You're absolutely right, Um, providing um, flexible employment opportunities uh, for the older worker um, and the older worker getting the satisfaction and the gratification of um, of staying uh, engaged, staying active, and as you say, using you don't use it, you lose it. Um, Brain health uh, is going to be as important as heart health as we age. And um, our bookkeeper, for instance, uh, who just uh, retired, left us uh, last January, who's been with Seniors for Seniors for 21 years, Gordon, 85 years old, just learned a proprietary new software program a few years ago, and uh, she's um, uh, just tremendous. And this I really think it's a a very uh, gratifying situation, but I I firmly believe we're doing good work in providing that employment, but also the compassion and the uh, uh, empathy and uh, the awareness that the older junior-senior can bring to the senior-senior or to the older worker.
4: Right, and in doing so, get real job satisfaction and everything that goes Along with that, that is feeling good about yourself, feeling that you're wanted, you're needed, you're doing something useful. And self-esteem
5: is so important, particularly when you've been turned down by many, many jobs because you're too old.
4: That's right on.
5: Now, unfortunately,
4: our time is up, so I want to say thank you to our listeners. Please do email us with your comments and questions, and in particular, uh, to our listeners in the U.S., please get in touch with us because we can find out some of the things that are available in the U.S., and maybe you would like to talk about uh, setting up some kind of service of of the kind you've been hearing about, um, because I think it would be very successful in some of the situations that I've heard about in the U.S. I want to say thank you to Barbara for sharing with us your experience, your insights, and your advice. And sincerely, on behalf of all of us, I wish you every success in your work, For all of the people we've been talking about now in our next episode of family caregivers unite we'll talk more about helping family caregivers as innovators in providing support for family caregiving please join us same time same spot on the internet
3: thank you again for joining us this week for family caregivers unite with your host dr gordon atherley